0: I never wanted to be at the will of somebody else's system. You know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my career staked on seniority. I didn't want my career staked on things that I couldn't control. So that was a big piece for me, Sean, is that like master master of my own
1: domain in a sense. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry, I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades. But the question isn't that. The question is, are you going to be part of what makes dentistry great? Okay, so I could not be more excited today to have the opportunity to interview Dr. Eric Roman. Eric, before I set you up, let me just say thank you so much for letting me interview you. Sean, do
0: you know what? I'm just thankful we get to hang out for a little bit and just just do the thing. Like, isn't that what life's all about? Doing it is,
1: it is. And innovation can mean so many different things, Eric, right? There's like the clinical innovation, there's technological innovation, there's business model innovation. But at the heart of all of it, there's some crazy person like you that's like, why not me? Why can't I step up and lead? Why can't I pioneer positive change? I'm innovating
0: myself, Sean.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: I'm innovating me.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't wait to hear all about that because I did this podcast, Eric, because I believe that to the left and to the right of me, there's all these people that are with me and with you advancing. Dentistry. But there's also these vacancies where people are still on the sideline because they're second guessing. They're wondering if it's the right time. They're wondering what happens if all of a sudden they step out and look like an idiot. And because of that, they're not at that trade show. They're not at that networking event, or they're not, they didn't start their YouTube channel, you know, and we don't know what synergy could happen yet because they're still playing it safe. And that's why I have this podcast to share. You got to activate them. Right, right. And stories like, yours that can encourage and inspire. So how the heck did you even get into dentistry,
0: Eric? Whew. You know, you know, Sean, um, I did not want to be a dentist originally. My my general dentist when I was a kid, every time I went in there, he was always like, Eric, you should be a dentist. And I'd look up and I'd be like, no, no, I shouldn't. I thought I was going to be a doctor, or for some reason, I don't know why I thought I was going to be like, a psychologist, maybe because I was crazy. Um, but then all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, 17 years old, getting ready to go to college. And the dentist says, Hey, man, you got to get your wisdom teeth out. I was thinking, No, no, this doesn't sound right. I don't have a whole lot of dental needs wisdom teeth that wasn't on my agenda. And um, yet, I did. And had an awesome experience. And I said to the oral surgeon, I was like, uh, Hey, this was pretty cool. Like, that was my way of telling him thank you. This was cool. He's like, Oh, why don't you come work for me this summer? And I thought sounds better than racking shoes at Foot Locker, which is what I was currently doing. And so I did. And the rest was history. Turns out, I didn't know it. But I loved like, nasty surgery type stuff. I liked like, fun, teeth flying everywhere going into ORs. I loved all that stuff. And, uh, and I realized, well, well, maybe this dentistry thing can work out pretty good for me, because these guys seem pretty content in general. And so that was it. And that kind of charted the course. And yet, didn't look anything like I thought
1: it would look. So for those that don't know you, Eric, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing you speak on stage at the DEO. What was it this past July?
0: Yeah, I think that was the DEO. That was the 2023 DEO growth summit in San Diego, California at the Hyatt Grand.
1: And hearing a little bit about your story, I feel like you are not cut from the same cloth of as, as most dentists be, that that maybe are a little bit more timid about uh, going for things or may not embrace even the entrepreneurial visionary type stuff with as much ease. Um, and it seems like you are just that pioneer and innovator that that doesn't, I don't know. Like, did you know that growing up that, that you had that entrepreneurial bug? Like, was that something that you just grew up and you're like, okay, this is me and I'm going to express that in dentistry? Or did you discover that later?
0: That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, as I look back at, you know, first, the way that you just described me, like sound very, sound very cool. I was like, wow, I want to hang out with that guy. And,
1: uh, you Me too. What? I want, I do too. So I'm just happy. I get to
0: I was like, dude, you're describing that. I was like, oh, he's describing you. And I was like, wow. Um, you know, what's funny, Sean is how different, um, the guy is that the guy or the gal that we see in the mirror, you know? and um when you said that like i was looking at the proofs for your points there and i as i looked at it i was like oh yeah that kind of matches up pretty well to my life but then i just looked in the mirror and i was like but is that really you eric so um first i have had a very different journey Uh, my entire uh, i have been kind of aggressively entrepreneurial i did not appear that way as a kid i but i was outside the box i was like i had an inventor or innovators mindset like let's say it another way like total freaking dreamer dude like my head spent 24 hours a day in the clouds and then when i went to like i was in the clouds all day and when i went to bed i went back into the clouds you know so there was a piece of it there the imagination side of things which isn't isn't a requisite for being a visionary or anything like that but i had that big i i had a big vision for life um do you know another thing sean boxes were not built for me <laughs> like i've had this thing in my entire life where i break boxes and the the, the most functional place for me to operate is one foot in the box and one foot out. But at the end of the day, I don't like feeling like I've been put in a box. Um, Maybe there's, I was an only child. Maybe that had something to do with it because I had to like, I had nobody to play with. So it's like, hey Eric, what are you doing? Well, I don't know Eric, I'm thinking some really fun stuff. Well, let's jam out and do some cool. So maybe my imagination got fueled by some of my like alone time. I'm really at peace thinking. Like I'm really in a good spot there And so I imagined a bunch of crazy crap for my life and I was pretty bent on achieving it, you know, um, if anything was there, uh, I was bent on, bent on accomplishing some of these grandiose ideas, these, uh, call them moonshots or massive transformational purposes or whatever they are. But, um, I had no idea where this little journey would lead me. My entire career has been group practice. Uh, everything about me is group practice or DSO in my essence relative to the dental industry. And honestly, I only practiced full-time clinical dentistry for about five or six years.
1: Wow. And
0: Truthfully, I cut back the first time at year three, my third year of private practice, I cut back, but that didn't turn out so well on my profit and loss statement. So I had to go back in and um, I practiced a little bit more full-time to like Help things go. But then I have effectively cut back and uh, I was completely non clinical at in 2013, which was, that was effectively six years. So six years, I was no, 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 I'm sorry, 2018. So so I practiced, I practiced part time for about four years. And then I became a non clinical CEO uh, for a while. So not the most not if you had told the little dude that was saying, Hey, I'm going to be a dentist. If you told him, yeah, but you're barely going to practice as a dentist, you're going to be more into like building multi locations and educating other dentists how to be great and all that. I never would have known. So I didn't come from an entrepreneur family. That's a question that you should have asked, Sean. You should have said. Were
1: parents- I was going to interrupt you. I was going to say, <laughs> so did your mom or your dad. Right. Yeah. Because like my my dad is an entrepreneur, uh, left corporate job. And then all of a sudden I got to see him in action again, breaking boxes, not being defined, going against norms, causing disruption. And I was just like, I saw it modeled where you, it sounds like your parents never took those risks and yet
0: we're in the box. They, They were actually, they were beaten down by the box, both in the airline industry, a pilot and a flight attendant. If you know what those careers are like, it's all seniority based. My dad could have been the best pilot on earth and he could have been the worst pilot on earth and nobody gave a crap except, well, people flying in his plane that day, right? And so his future was based solely on the day he joined an airline. And honestly, he got screwed his entire career. Like literally um, at every opportunity where when two airlines would merge, it could go good or it could go bad, it went like worst. And so his entire career was like, getting hosed by the man. Oh, regulation kind of screwed us here. Oh, the CEO of the company made a bad decision. Oh, and that was what I saw. And so even though I didn't have entrepreneurship modeled for me, and by the way, my grandparents are the same way my my grandfather was uh, um, was a pilot, my grandmother was like, a was a flight attendant. And, uh, and in truth, I just realized I don't even know what my other grandfather, my other grandfather built houses, you know? And, and so,
1: uh, so, so Eric, you, you were meant to fly though. You were meant to I, soar. I was
0: supposed I, I was, I was supposed to fly. Yeah, that was it. So I took the best part of it and I'm supposed to fly at something and go high. Uh, maybe wait, get high. Is that what? No, we shouldn't go there, but <laughs> no. um, I was supposed to, I was supposed to do something and, uh, And yet I learned this lesson of I never wanted to be at the will of somebody else's system. You know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my career staked on seniority. I didn't want my career staked on things that I couldn't control. So that was a big piece for me, Sean, is that like master, master of my own domain in a sense. Hmm.
1: Okay. So, but it sounds like You're the one foot in, one foot out, uh, break the box, have these big dreams. But like, when did that actually crystallize more? Because to me, dentistry is the establishment in some ways. So I'm I'm just saying if like young Eric's going into dentistry, were you able to see early on, man, I can I can pioneer something different? Or did you think that you had to stay in the box early until you saw that that spot for you to all of a sudden go for it?
0: when I, when I went into, when I said I was going to be a dentist, I didn't really know what I was saying. And so I was like, well, I better figure out what this career is like. So I started um, working in more dental practices and I started ordering magazines like dental economics and all these magazines and reading about all this stuff. And um, while (laughs) let's say I wasn't perhaps the most decorated dental student. um, But I mean, I I wasn't bad. I, I recognized that there was a portion of the material that was actually really important for my patients. I needed to understand what I was doing to be good at it. But past that it was about getting a better grade, not about being more effective in a sense. And I took all that extra time while everybody else was studying. And I was like learning about the world of dentistry. I was, it was exciting for me. That was one of my first forays into like private business. And I'm like, I, I was learning about entrepreneurship I ended up doing a whole minor in, you know, in business when I was in college. And so I'm like really falling into this and thinking there's some really cool stuff that's not about dentistry. That's not about teeth. And so when I was getting to the point of graduation, I had a really deep set of knowledge about like the innovations of the industry, where the industry was going. I was kind of into that stuff. That was exciting to me. It was more exciting. listen ain't changing that much you know like it's not like it's not like there's a and yeah there's there's some innovation in our technology but honestly here i am i graduated what 15 years ago from dental school i look back like dentistry's still pretty close to the same like oh you know cad cam oh well it was getting started when i graduated now a lot of people are doing it but still not everybody that's the innovation cycle and so i was looking at innovation more so in practice delivery. The type of practice, things like that. And then I had like, I had a moment, Sean. Really, really small, you know, small world story. There's this guy people have heard of in dentistry. His name was Scott Luna, right? Like breakaway practice. Breakaway. And um, but back then, he was just a dude on Dentaltown. He was a dude on Dentaltown, and there was another guy, um, Ryan Swain, who started Six Month Smiles back in the day. And they decided, hey, we've both done things outside the box. We're going to start a little seminar. It was the very first breakaway practice seminar. They, They did it in Tampa, Florida. And like six people showed up. And I was one of those six people. And so I showed up there like, I mean, just from some posts on Dentaltown. I'm like, I don't know. I'll go do it. And you know what they did? They took my head. That was, and, and it wasn't intentional, but I know that they've done it for a lot of people. My head was like, "I don't want to be in the box," and they kind of said, "You don't have to be in the box, little fella." Like
1: they you gave you permission to, to it. Be, it be you. Permission.
0: Yep. And so I came out of there with like a whole firecracker in my butt of all the things I'm going to do, and it never turned off. And so that was like my tipping point moment, I think. I was in residency at the time. It was like, it was like oh six or 07. I was in a residency program and, uh, and yeah, and I flew down there and I didn't even know what my future was going to look like. After that, I had a pretty darn good idea of what my future was going to look like and You know, something that I'll I'll say now, Sean, is that, um, you know who you're looking at right now? You're looking at Eric Roman version 4.0. I just transitioned into 4.0. I catalog my life based on the versions of me. And so um, version 1.0 of Eric was like that, like started in a sense at that moment at Breakaway with, with Scott and with Ryan. It's when I was like, oh, here we go. And so I rode that wave for quite a while, and then, then we've gone through some more evolutions as we've gone on. So there's kind of some uh, background into the uh, Eric Roman story.
1: So so I'm curious how much you're human like the rest of us. When it comes to uh, I want certainty, mm-hmm. um, I'm taking a step. I'm hoping there's some sort of market guarantee that that's going to align with what my preparation is of what my plan is with what I'm executing. Um, what was that ever something that was debilitating or made you pause or, or made you like imposter syndrome? Like, oh Dude. shit, sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know, this is like beyond me and I love it. Like, was that attention that you embraced and loved and decided to just like be okay with the uncomfortable? Um, or was that not even really present?
0: Dude, it's all over the place. It's still present right now. And just my transition from 3.10.16 uh, of Eric Roman into 4.0. You
1: sound like a developer, like releasing oh, a new dude. software model. I love yeah, that. Not
0: documented, man. Like, there's like. So you,
1: doc- you gamify your life. This I is game, what it sounds I like.
0: gamify all of it, right? I, you know what I'm really doing is I'm documenting my life hmm. so that I can look back and I can honor who I was and learn from those pieces, give thanks and, like, really appreciate them. As I move on to something different though, like a new mindset that's shifting. So, dude, like even today, I want everybody to know how loud those voices are. I call them dragons. Like, you know, like dragons are loud in my life. Imposter syndrome, it for me, around every single corner, it comes up. Like I deal with this stuff continuously. And what I really like about what you said, Sean, you know. I don't remember when I heard it. I think it was back early on. Everybody everybody has this false concept of entrepreneurship that it's risk. It's actually not. Entrepreneurs tend to be some of the most risk-averse people. It's calculated risk. In other words, it's like, listen, I've I, I, on one hand, it's like, I haven't looked at the water. I'm just jumping off the cliff, right? That's not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs, like, they look. They, they calculate, they think about it 25 times, they run some numbers and they have a backup plan or maybe a second, one right? Like, and that was, dude, that's why I was a dentist. So do you know what I actually said as I was kind of getting through dental school? I realized, thankfully, like by grace, I had picked the best career because Mm -hmm. crap hits the fan, man. I got a skill i can make money with my hands you know and so i can like do whatever pop things out like hey, backup plan right now go use it but all the kids that went to like mba or that went to business school and then an mba program and all the stuff do you know how long the road's gonna be for them to get to the point where they run a million dollar business i had one immediate I showed up and I had a million dollar business. So it was a accelerated road to entrepreneurship with an ultimate backup plan to keep me safe. And uh, so that's what I love. And even right now, I just pivoted again. I'm just I'm like in pivot mode right now. I'm like, ooh, this has been fun. It's time for something new. I'm scared out of my pants deep down inside. But you know what's interesting? And like one of the things I've been teaching people is that. Even though the circumstances, like in 1.0 to 2.0, scary as crap, 2.0 to 3.0, scary as crap, 3.0 to 4.0, scared again, right? <laughs> the circumstances look the same from the outside, but this guy isn't the same. The voices and right. the dragons, they they sound, they're like, they're like chirping in. I'm like, ooh, I've heard that sound before. Yeah, oh, I've heard that. But I'm realizing right now, like, oh. Those sweet little dragons think I give a crap? They don't know who they're messing with now. I've been through this cycle many times. And so, you know, yes, I am scared to death at every point. Um, I've learned how to address the voices and I've learned and I build great. I am a strategist at things. I am a life strategist. Like, so I build strategies to protect me. Did that answer your question,
1: Sean? Oh, okay, so there's just so much you said there, Eric. First of all, to the listeners, if they miss the gold, you dropped gold. And that is this whole backbone of you're a dentist or a hygienist or someone in dentistry, and you have a ridiculously good backup plan. <laughs> it is oh, a very lazy. stable industry. Um, people need it. You don't have to um, – you're not pioneering a brand-new market where no one knows they need something like an Uber where you're trying to convince people to use their own personal cars to be glorified taxi drivers where where it's like oh people aren't looking for you you're you're a dentist or a dental professional and you're already needed so i just love that it's kind of almost like gets rid of the whole like what do you got to lose like you can make money doing not changing good, anything but good money good right, great it's money right
0: like, i mean it's even better dude even in the zombie apocalypse i got skills bro like who do you, yeah. you want me on you want me on your team in zombie apocalypse i'll be there you know i got surgical skills i got all the things
1: i i, I love that and uh i was gonna say at the same exact time if there's someone that realizes hey there is a book in me or there's a stage that I belong on or there's a movement that I need to be leading. That's where I'm like, like, go for it. Like there's no better time than, than now. I love Eric that you continue to play. Okay. So so you have your like arena of what is possible that you keep expanding. You keep being like, okay, I thought that was possible with version one. Mm-hmm. And then now all of a sudden that I know what's possible in version two, man, it's like, there's so much more freedom. There's so much more opportunity Now, I'm guessing there's really nothing that you don't think that you can partner with or accomplish or do if you set your mind to it. Uh, But at the same exact time, you're playing your strengths. You know, I'm a strategist. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what I bring to the table. This is the gift that I've been given. And you play to that strength, not just a strength that gives you competitive advantage, but one that also gives you fulfillment at the same time. Amazing. That's a blueprint for innovation. You need to line up what the market cares about And what is your gift? What makes you come alive? uh, So you love getting out of bed. Now, from version one to version four, is there one or two mindsets that either you needed to embrace to get to where you're at or a mindset or two that you needed to shed so that you could arrive where you're at?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, a a lot of what I live in is mindsets. Every quarter I like, as part of my personal operating system, I adjust my mindsets to suit where I'm at. So there have been a lot that I've cycled through Um, going at 1.0. 1.0 was really interesting because 1.0 was just trying to prove who he was in the world. He was trying to like validate who he was. Uh, He wanted people to think he was awesome. It was so ego based it was so ego based and it was so monetarily based it was how big of a company can i build etc cetera, etc cetera. and so the 1.0 to 2.0 shift was a really big one because it opened up the question of who am i really if i pull away from me the validation of it the truth is Sean, most of us validate ourselves by our occupation and our work. And yet, oftentimes, when you look at where that comes from, it's not from us. It's from our schools that we went to, our society, the movies that we see, the articles that we read, the people that we look up to, our parents. Like, I just want you to be a doctor, sweetie. Like, I'll be so proud if you are. And wait, wait, I, is that
1: how your mom actually sounds?
0: Uh, that was actually, that was actually my grandma. That was my grandma.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm really
0: old now. So I give her grandma voice. It works out great. But, um, but you know, what? when I, when I, when I got to that point, and cause here's the thing, man, like you've heard my life story. Like I crashed and burned as I was I, I, the, the, the cycle of building the big business looked awesome on the outside to everybody. Everybody thought, wow, Eric, Like, look at what you have built. Look at all the things. It's so great. And what I felt was, yeah, but I'm miserable. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not happy with where I live. I'm not happy with the man that I am, the father that I am, the parent that I am.
1: Achievement, but fulfillment is down here. That's exactly
0: right. And yet I was doing the thing that everybody told me I should do. I was like winning the awards. And so, that moment i realized you've accomplished what you set out to accomplish and yet you missed everything that you really wanted from it and i say three things like fulfillment but fun and then also for me a measure of freedom and freedom can be many many things it can be time freedom it can be monetary freedom it can be emotional freedom I'm in in life right now, as I go through these versions, I'm expanding those freedoms. I'm choosing the freedoms I want, and I'm adding more of them in. And honestly, I had none of those. I wasn't fulfilled. I had zero freedom. I was tied to what I could do. I could never take a vacation. If I got sick, like everything was going to fall apart. And you know what? When you started looking at all that, it wasn't fun anymore. It had been fun for a little bit. But there was something else that was missing relative to fun it was fun in other places in my life like i didn't have friends i literally had no friends um and i wasn't having fun with my family my family was becoming like a uh, i'd really like to spend time with them like you know but like it's so hard for me to take time away from this business this is what gives us the house so like what do i there just wasn't a concept of having any fun so Yeah, man, like it was the transition number one was, Eric, this isn't who you are. 1.0 and all the versions of it now, I was at probably 1.10.2. It's like, this isn't you, man. This is not who you are. It's time for you to figure out a little bit more of who you're gonna be. So that was the first big shift. Who am I really? Who am I really if I'm not gonna define myself by my career? And uh, that's a hard shift. That's like – because then when I – the way (laughs) – hey, Sean, go write a book for me, please, on when you're trapped inside a business you don't want to be in and you don't know who you are, do it without throwing the whole thing away, okay? The only answer most of us have is to exit. Like, that's the thing. Dude, I coach coach multi-location entrepreneurs. You don't know how many times a month I get the phone call like, Eric, I'm done. I just want out. I just want out. That was me. And so I pulled the parachute and I was out. And then you're floating silently in the sky. Hmm. And you have no idea where you're going to land or what's next. That is not easy. Not easy. And I can make some arguments. It's not fun. I wish I had another option. And, you know, other than Pulling the parachute. So, uh, I'd say that's the big one. Uh, big transition is who am I really? Then the second big transition, Sean, uh, it's not like you wake up and you're like, oh, this is who I am. It's a process. And you know, the other cool thing is that at least what I teach is that who we are is dynamic. I change a ton, you know, like, I mean, you use like my body changes, my brain changes, my desires change, my life changes. And so, Once I started to figure out periodically, temporarily who I was, then a new question came up and it was, how can I get better at being me then? What am I doing with what I've now discovered? That's like the the next, the second, first evolution. Who am I really? Second evolution. What the heck are you going to do about it now that you know? And so if I look at like, and up here I have this black, I have this, well, it's a, black whiteboard so is it a blackboard but it's not chalk so don't get that confused I've got my blackboard up here and I have my mindsets like written down and my mindsets and I've just switched so like they've just transitioned but looking at them they were really me saying to me "All right, buddy you know that what you're in isn't working in a sense so what are you Mm going to do about it and that's where the mindsets came from
1: so yeah chew on that (laughs) so I (laughs) I I've interviewed a lot of people and not many of them are are so apparently also like a philosopher. <laughs> and I don't think that again is tied to um like being an entrepreneur. Like you don't have to be a philosopher. You don't have to think deeply about your mission, your why, um your identity and who you are. You you can just live the hack um, be great at, at certain, you know, leadership techniques or, um, finding leverage and strategically just blowing it up and making lots of money. Um, but yet I I find like, yeah, right. And yet I find here you are the entrepreneur, the visionary, but you're also this person that's, that's wrestling with. Yeah. But like, why, why am I here? If I can reach success in the way that I used to define it in the way that most people define it. And somehow I, I feel empty well, then there there's more and like, praise God that you figured that out f- just for the sake of your wife and your kids. Like they, they deserved for you to not just climb that mountain, but realize, okay, this is not actually the right mountain I want to be on the top of and let me adjust. Like, thank God you didn't, I don't know, just get depressed or, or I don't know, just get numb, numbed out, lose heart and just keep going you know, put your head down, keep going and lose yourself. Like that takes so much courage, Eric, to face when all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, this, I'm not aligned right now. Um, I feel like I should be happier, but I'm not like that takes courage.
0: There's a lot of truth inside of that. You know, so one of my values, as I've discovered me has, has been courage. And, um, and, and there's a, then there's a reason for it. It was part of my history before I discovered that it was there, right? I discovered that it was part of like, naturally how I want to, who I want to be and how I'm going to exhibit myself. But you know, the pains always there, Sean, Um, winning and success are really crappy teachers. They're poor Mm -hmm. teachers. As the irony, though, is that what do we want to do? I want to win baby, like, give me success, the easy way to get that's fine. But you know, unfortunately, a lot of my decisions took me down a road of pain. And pain Mm -hmm. is an extraordinary teacher. Pain is that thing that I mean, I remember nights, man, like in my story. I remember, I was not sleeping in my bedroom with my wife, I was sleeping in the upstairs bedroom. And we can talk about a million reasons why Um, just know I wasn't welcome in my room downstairs as i shouldn't have been and um my world was collapsing in on me and i remember like crying like sobbing on my pillow like thinking i don't know what's next and yet the pain inside those moments like life offers us a choice right like you can use that pain inside of that moment and you can be defined by it and just say this is who i am now i'm a failure because I've done all these horrible things, or it's failed. Or instead of being defined by it, you can be refined by it. And I remember what it felt like lying there. And remember the tears I'm like, I was wallowing in my own self pity, like you like, oh, like, oh, if I could only go back and do this. And then I thought, Well, you know what? First thing I know, I have purpose. I just don't always know what it is. I know that I have purpose, it might, it, it might not be to produce an electric car or fly people to Mars or whatever it might be. But I, I even just in the lives of the people that are close to me, I have purpose. And I am not an accident. And under and under no circumstances of the universe am I an accident. And so in that moment, I sat there and I said, Well, this sucks. But it's going to be behind us. We're not going to be defined by it. We're going to like, we're going to go kick some butt and we're going to let this refine us. And I can think, I have that like, it's like a seminal moment that pops back up at different stages, you know, different events, different crappy scenarios when I I can feel myself as I'm processing and I'm like, well, Eric, here you are the fork in the road, brother. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go, you're going to go be defined or are you going to go let this refine you? And at every point, like it, and and I honor that you recognize courage. Like it does take courage for anybody to do that because um, it's not fun. Like it's not like nobody's sitting here. You know, the irony is that I hope that by telling my stories, I help other people avoid pain. But maybe what I really want. Maybe I'd like you to still taste the pain a little bit, but just be, have the encouragement to make the transition a little easier. Maybe Amen. my telling the story isn't as much about helping you avoid the pain as it is about giving you the encouragement to take the hard road and, and, and let this refine you instead of define, you, you know? So yeah, you're pretty insightful there, Sean. I don't even know that. <laughs> I'm taking notes in our conversation. Like this is crazy.
1: Well, the good thing is it's recorded, but we're going to charge people. So they, no, I'm just yeah, good. Yeah. Uh So, so Eric, two of my like guiding principles, you just keep hitting on. And one of them is I always want to tell people like the best chance they have for success, long-term sustainable. And I don't necessarily mean success monetarily. I just mean arriving at something that's going to be that full picture again for you is the fun, freedom and yeah, fulfillment. fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is finding out what is it unique about me. And owning that because that's the true differentiator that no one can copy, right? No one can be Dr. Eric Roman. And my other one, well, of many is that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the tension, in the midst of the challenge, if you yield to it, you'll discover gold Mm -hmm. that you wish you, like so many people are like, oh, you wish you could have erased that time in your life. You wish you could have not had that low, but it's like. If you submit to it and yield to it and, and find out what can be there, man, the lesson you can learn, the refining that you can go through, um, it's like, I'm, you know, I have a therapist. And he's like, yeah, you can get bitter or you can get better. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of reduces it a little bit. I feel like it, it, it's much more than that. But to have um, just the ability to say, like, this is not who I am. I have <laughs> I've done things in the same exact way, Eric, where I was on a train, and I kept thinking the train was going to slow down, mm. and the train just kept getting faster, and it got so fast that I felt like the easy way out would be to take that quick, selfish exit uh, of taking my life in some ways, mm. and this wasn't something that like I really grappled with. I just had never seen it. It was never even in view. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, when it came into view, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that I've gotten so far. Five amazing kids, beautiful wife. And all of a sudden, I realized I had to jump off the train and come face to face with the life that I was living and make a decision in that moment that regardless of what was going to happen, I had to, I don't know, I, I, I just had to, yeah, let the refining take place instead of all of a sudden feeling like I was always going to be some hopeless hypocrite that was stuck. Mm. And the same exact way my story is hoping to encourage other people to be right, not necessarily avoid it because I mean, I want my kids to avoid it, (laughs) but I also want people to be equipped. So they know what to do. They know that their life isn't over. They know that there's hope. They know that they can get back up and they can keep going. And here you are and you're shining there. Like you, you, Are releasing so much light, so much energy, so much like um, encouragement, and yet you remember what it was like being in that upper bedroom, crying, wallowing. It was dark. You were alone. Come again. Yeah.
0: Don't want it to, but I'll I'll prevail. Like when it does, you know, tough times are gonna come. Sean, first, like I see you like, I hear you. And you know, um, you know, one of the cool parts about listening to other people speak and talk about stuff is that sometimes it just gives us the frame of reference for our life. Sometimes it shows us choices that we didn't naturally knew existed. And sometimes it just gives us the word to define a feeling um, at the right time in the right place. And so that's like, that's what you just offered the world, you know, in a sense, and I want to acknowledge one other thing you touched on in there because um, it's near and dear to my heart. You know, with kids, I also have five kids. Um, maybe we have the same five kids. I don't know. That could be incredible. What are the odds?
1: <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, don't, what that means. I don't, but... I don't either.
0: I don't either. But it's like, it's like multiverse type stuff. So don't, don't. Yeah. I just watched a multiverse movie the other day. And so, like, everything's, like, weird. Um,
1: maybe I'm just a previous version of you. No, that's just.
0: right. That's like, while we come back to, oh yeah, we like, is this a, this is like a time dilation conversation. Um, <laughs> but you know, one of the things that, uh, it, it, there's two pieces here. Number one, we have been trained that pain and sorrow and sadness are all negative things. And, uh, I remember like, I remember hearing my dad, I'm like, you know, like suck it up. Like son, that's like, no, nope, you put away your anger. You put away, essentially, like, get rid of all the negative emotions. Don't let those be present because those are wrong. Those are naughty. Mm. Like, you don't need those. Like, just act like it's not happening. And, you know, I love my dad. And I love his generation and his dad's generation and, like, all the forefathers. I love them, but they were wrong. And um, I understand, like, that was just a creature of where they were. What we've learned is that like it's the, the, the wrong thing is actually putting identifiers of right or wrong on our emotions. Emotions are part of what makes us human and they're designed mm-hmm. to be felt. They're designed to be received and looked at and like said, ah, darn you, I don't like you. I don't like what it is, but I'm going to feel you. I'm going to feel you and mm-hmm. see you. And then the second piece of that is that you know, that's been a transition for my wife and I and how we train and how we look at our children, because irony, Sean, you know, my wife and I, we, we celebrated last year was our 20th anniversary. And uh, we were sitting in in Cabo celebrating and we always we have activities that we do. Um, uh, like, you know, checking back in, like, I'm um, looking back at the hard things and like talking about mm. them and reflecting yeah. on where we are, like, some fun stuff, fun activities. If anybody ever wants any, just let me know. Um, but uh, we both reframe, like when we looked back on all the hardest things in our life, all the pain all, in our marriage, in our personal lives, all the stuff, each of us was like, that really sucked. I don't want to go through it again, but gosh, am I glad we did because of how it caused us to change. And I have all these things in my childhood that are that way. You know, honestly, like our... We're, we're as humans, like it's getting to my psychology nerd, like we're, we're the, the, the trauma model, like trauma, happens for everybody. And it has a massive impact on how our brains function. It's not, it's not something to be avoided. It's inevitable. And it's how we tell we work. And, um, and so what I loved about, you know, the perspective that my wife shared with me was that the hard things are what made us who we are. Well, mm. look at that for us as a parent, Sean, like, because we felt the same way. We're like, funny, parenting is about doing everything you can to conceivably avoid all trauma for your children like create the perfect <laughs> bubble of an environment let's do a rubber bubble soft
1: now. edges prevention
0: yep no pain like we don't want you to feel sadness we don't want you to feel sorrow we don't want you to feel anger we don't want you to feel any of those things and then we tell a story as we got older that yeah those were all the great things in our life what is wrong with us and so we've been we've been shifting our parenting to number one, leave space for our kids to feel those emotions and to support them in feeling their emotions, not into telling them like that we won't want them to have. And second, we've just had to accept we're traumatizing the crap out of our kids. Our (laughs) kids have Eric Roman and Cynthia Roman trauma, like all jammed up in them. It's all over the place and it's not going anywhere. They're not going to be able to get rid of it. It sucks to be them and that, but that's also a gift to them because you know what else? There are no other kids on earth that get to live with Eric Roman trauma and Cynthia Roman trauma. That's what it means to be parents. And so really we, I've, I've, I've called this the authentic trauma model for parenting. I've, I've I've put a name to it. And what we really want to do is I want to traumatize my parent, my children as me. Like I don't want to traumatize my children as me trying to be someone that I'm not. I want to, right. Not,
1: not a fake, not a performance, not a striving, just actually based off of you yeah. giving your best to love them yes. and whatever comes out in the midst of that, you yeah. own it.
0: And i will pay for their therapy. You know what? I was not a perfect dad. You got this dickhead as a dad, right? <laughs> like you got this guy warts and all.
1: I'm a condescending <laughs> asshole. That's my thing. I, I look like, did you really think that was a good Like condescension is my
0: <laughs> Sorry, worst guys. version of myself? <laughs> like I'll admit to you children, like not my greatest quality. I know where some of it comes from because daddy's been in therapy about this one. this is daddy's daddy and his daddy's thing, but here's the deal. I want you to see it for what it is. I'm going to allow you to make a choice with it. Like, and I love you. I'm, I'm sorry, but it is me. It is honestly me that you get to see. So I just love that. Like you've pushed right up against that inside of the conversation. Like, and, and you know, what's funny, we haven't said the dental word in like in like 10 minutes but, but it is kind of cool that this is what the, like, this is the part of my life that I've spent my energy in innovating, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I'm okay with that.
1: Well, but that's the, the translation to innovation mm-hmm. is perfect because yeah. when you're on the sideline, you think that you're safe. You think that you're preventing yourself from any sort of heartbreak or public shame. If all of a sudden you go public with something, Hey, you raise your hand and you say, I'm going to start a podcast. And then you quit after two weeks and everyone's like, what happened to that podcast or, or the YouTube channel or, or you, you unite to create some new dental product and then nobody likes it. Yeah. Like all these things that people theorize, they think that they're saving themselves by prevention when it's like, no, embrace the trauma. You're going to step on some minds. You have so much experience in the years that you've lived, Eric. And that has given you so much gold, yep. so much fortitude, so much resilience, so much wisdom that now you can make an impact in a way that other people can't that have been on the sideline because it's like they're playing it safe so that they don't have any lessons. They don't have any fortitude. They didn't learn anything. They didn't get any gold. Let's put them in so the that's game. why it's like my my encouragement. What? Exactly. Get in the game. You'll never learn in the boardroom. You learn in the marketplace and it's messy, but so what? <laughs>
0: you know, you've got I, I want to like confess to exactly what you've said. Um, Eric Roman until 12 months ago, had no Facebook profile, had no LinkedIn, no Instagram, no any of them. And I had a friend that was well, it turns out he was a branding expert. He's just trying to take my money. But um, but he said to me "Was like, Eric, how is that in alignment with who you are? Like you love to share you believe in it, you believe that's what you were called to do in part of your gift. And yet, you don't have any profile, like nobody can learn anything about you. And, and you know, when I had to look up again, like push up against, so I was like, yeah, but I'm scared. But I'm scared. I'll say the wrong thing or like, I'll get, you know, I'll get canceled or like, whatever millions of things are out there. And, um, and he said, so maybe you're asking the wrong question. And maybe the right question is, um, What is it? If I eliminated like a fear of what was going to happen? What could I be doing to create value for the people on earth that are just willing and able to receive me for whatever it might be? And that is (laughs) a mindset, because it has to be because I'm like, Oh, crap, like, Eric Roman has America's uh, least subscribed YouTube channel. And um, and like I don't even know what's in there, but my team keeps putting stuff, and I don't care because you know what? Someday, somewhere, somebody's gonna hear something. Just one, Sean. Do you know what's funny? I used it for years. So when I started public speaking, I'm like, oh, there's 500 or a thousand people in the room. I have to make all of them love me, right? That was like where you start. That's the ego thing. Like I need these people to love me. And then I kind of got dialed in as I went to version 2.0 and 3.0 of Eric, and I was like, "Oh, that's so stupid. I don't actually mm-hmm. need any of them to love me. I actually, I actually just get to be me. And if anybody yeah. out there can receive me at that point, like, great. But you know what else? I even stepped away from. I didn't even care about the. Aud- I don't even care about the audience that's there anymore. Like, I would love mm-hmm. to serve them, but I've got to do my thing as best possible. And I'm not concerned with first degree." Victory anymore. First degree is that you and me interacted like we, you were in the audience, you saw me, and so you got something from it. I don't even care about that. I'm fine if nobody in the audience gets anything out of it, but there's a second or third degree like, hey, Mm. you should have heard the stupid thing that this guy on stage said at the event that I went to that was completely worthless. He said this, and somebody's like, huh, that resonated with me. Second degree victory, or maybe third degree (laughs) victory. Like maybe I pass away someday and somebody tells a story and somebody's like, oh, Huh. Huh. didn't get it then, but now I get it. So, you know, like I've had to, I've had to let go of desiring of desiring to please my different audiences and my different people. Um, and just think about how I'm called to serve. How am I called to serve? Who am I? And how am I called to serve with it? So, whoop.
1: and that's where you're going right now. That is what version four pivot is. I'm imagining it's you stepping up, owning the influence that you have earned uh but even even if it didn't it doesn't matter you have a message you have um something that you need to release not just into dentistry but into the world and uh just be guilty of shining as bright as you can like right like like don't don't downplay it just own it like this is who you are and this is your time
0: yeah at first i thought it was gas but then i realized it was something else (laughs) that needed to just be released to the world and um and and you're right you know it's like i think one of the things that i've been saying is like everything everything in my life has kind of led me to this point and um and it's that exact it's that exact piece it's this piece you know what's so funny is like um for every i've worked with literally hundreds of dental entrepreneurs and dental companies and we're all trying to – everybody wants things out of life. Typically, everybody can resonate with my point, fun, fulfillment, and freedom. They're like, oh, that sounds good. I'll buy that. And yet we're trying to create fun, fulfillment, and freedom through our work. We're mm-hmm. trying to create it occupationally. And so then when you're making – I don't know. You're making $50,000 a year and then you're like, oh, but I don't have it. I need 100000 a year. So you use your occupation to make more money, and then you're there and you're like, huh, but I just don't have fun, fulfillment and freedom anymore. Well, I need to make more, I need to make more, and I need to make more. And do you know what's funny, Sean, like, I've worked with people with 10s of millions of dollars that they're earning on an annual basis, and they still have the same problem. Interesting, Mm -hmm. right. And what I recognized was that it's because nobody's ever given us a pathway a sequential simple pathway to solve for the things in our personal lives and in our families the only only answer we've ever had that worked for us was was occupational and so that's what I built. I have built a full fledged operating system for for you as an individual, like answering those questions we talked about for you, your family, like how do we create intentional outcomes in our relationships with our with our children? Who are we as a family? Like, I don't know, it's like a, a woman and a man or whatever, like, uh, what does this mean? Um, and, uh, and now I've decided it's time to take those things and share them with the world. And, you know, healthcare entrepreneurs, Uh, will be where I start. But as, uh, as, as we go on, honestly, you know, my real passion here is that every person deserves this. Uh, Our entry level person working at our front desk in a dental office deserves, deserves fun fulfillment and a measure of freedom inside of their lives. And so uh, it's just that nobody's ever shown us how to do it. So maybe that's my, that's my next thing. Let's see what happens.
1: I love this. So if I'm hearing this and I'm super excited, where do you want my eyeballs to go to find out more?
0: Yeah, so you can you can always find more at drericjroman.com, and then uh, literally I believe at the end of this week, uh, the website's launching for the one life, the number one one life circle, and um, the concept there is that you know for so long I, I talk about this all the time. We like we separate our work life and our home. Life right? Like we separate, we compartmentalize everything. But the truth of it is, you're just, you're just one person living in all of it. And so we only have one life. And the one life circle is going to be the is a is a is a program we're launching in November for healthcare entrepreneurs to help them experience precisely that. So uh, if they want to find out more. That's the place to go. But you can't miss me at Dr. Eric J. Roman. There's a lot of like really like smarmy mug shots and stuff like that, like really weird really weird things. Plus you can read, you can read ridiculous articles about dumb things that I do. So I'm really good with that one.
1: Oh, I think I'm going to start a series
0: on that. Sean dumb
1: recently. Dumb, dumb things are. Oh, I was gonna say, I thought you got awarded, uh, one of the sexiest men in dentistry, right. For
0: 2023. <laughs> um, was that, was that also by my mom? Because it might've been, I guess this is the third time she's come up in conversation. I think she's the one that, that faked it. I think she has a social media profile, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it, it's really. I was making a note about dumb things Eric did, and I, I just wrote "dumb sexy." So there we go. <laughs> There's my new handle.
1: <laughs> okay, so Eric, last question. You ready for it? Okay, so here you are. You're walking down the street, and in the distance, you see 18 year old Eric, and you know you just have one moment to communicate a sentiment. Yeah. What do you share with him?
0: Do you know what I'm gonna say to him? I'm going to say, Hey, trust the process, trust the journey. You have purpose and enjoy every moment. Enjoy it. That's what I would say to that little guy. And then I'm gonna smack him on the butt and say, go get him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a perfect cherry on top. Um, to all the listeners, it's like, trust the process. Go get it. This is your time. Make something happen. Like, follow whatever that dream is that's in your heart. Eric, it has been such a joy and so easy to honor you as an innovator. Uh, just to see the way that your mind works, the way that you think so intentionally about life, mm-hmm. um, the way that you care, and the way that you have the courage to face reality and continue to just, I don't know, not, not give up so that you can continue just to shine and give your best to those people that you love in your life. Uh, I just want to honor you for that. So thank you so much for letting me interview you today.
0: You see me and I see you, Sean. Hey, I can't wait till we hang out again. I'm in. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode. To learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.